Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron. Great to have you along. If this is the first podcast you've listened to, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. I hope you enjoy the show and share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours. That'd be great. We're available on all platforms. We're on iHeartRadio, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher and New Zealand's very own at Rover app as well. Uh, we're also on the internet. You can go to kiwirider.co.nz and catch the latest Kiwi Rider magazine, which is absolutely free for you to check out. And that is where a lot of the content in today's episode is coming from. Later in the show, we are going to catch up with our friends at Protector Insurance and have another winter riding tip, although we're into the last month of winter now. and things are starting to warm up fingers crossed well, there's been a lot of the wet stuff around lately before we do though let's do the news Triumph Motorcycles' first electric motorcycle, the TE1, has finally finished its development phase, with Triumph officially dropping the bike's performance numbers as a way of celebrating the milestone. Visually, the TE1 bears a close resemblance to the Speed Triple family, and this is backed up by its performance specs. With a 0-80% to 80% charge time of just 20 minutes, the TE1 is capable of charging... Sorry, couldn't help ourselves. Up to uh, 160 kilometers per hour in just 6.2 seconds. Or in more license keeping terms, 0 to 100 is 3.6 seconds. Now that blistering acceleration comes from a claimed peak power figure of 175 bhp, which is backed up by a solid 109 newton meters of torque. Wet weight is noted at 220 kgs, which is much lighter than certain projects from the US while achieving similar results. Triumph says that with further refinement of the electronics, including the traction control system and front wheel lift control, there is scope for the TE1 project to achieve more or even better performance by harnessing the full torque potential to enable even quicker standing start acceleration. Daytona 200 champion racer Braden Passage uh, participated in the final testing phase, both in engine performance evaluation and also the final setup of the prototype through to track testing. The throttle response of the TE1 is kind of incredible. It's very torquey, and when you first touch the throttle, it's instant power, which is obviously what I love as a motorcycle racer. I love when it's super torquey and picks up right away. So for me, it was a really great experience, says Braden. I got to peg this thing all the way to 100% throttle, and it's unbelievably quick. It pulls like crazy. Now that performance does have a cost uh, with an EV, and while the TE1 prototype has achieved its range and charging goals, the 161km range claimed by Triumph might still be too little for many classic riders to make the switch to electric. Overall, the key objective of the TE1 project has always been focusing, focusing, uh, focused on developing electric motorcycles capability in order to provide input into Triumph's future electric motorcycle offerings, driving innovation, capability and new intellectual property and enhancing the credibility and profile of the British industry and design. 
The achievements in the live testing phase exceeding current benchmarks and targets provide a platform with great potential for future development in electric motorcycle performance. Triumph is yet to make any suggestions that the TE1 itself will be put into production. We are incredibly proud to be able to share such positive outcomes from completion of the Project Triumph TE1, where the prototype demonstrator has exceeded many of our initial targets and expectations, says Triumph CEO. Nick Bluer. Everyone on the team is thrilled with the results we have achieved with our partners and how the outcomes of the project will feed into the electric future to come from Triumph. Stunning looking bike though, absolutely outstanding. Uh, if you want to check it out, full story and photos is up at kiwirider.co.nz. FTN Motion Scoops Award, fledgling Kiwi e-motorcycle maker FTN Motion may be a small player in the industry for now, but the Wellington-based business is making big waves regardless. The latest feather in the cap of FTN Motion comes via academia, with the firm taking home the prestigious Victoria University of Wellington Tehirina Waka New Thinking Award at this year's Wellington Gold Awards. Founded by engineers Luke Sinclair and Kendall Bristow, during the first COVID-19 lockdown, FTN Motion's mission is to make the world's most beautiful moped-class electric motorcycles while reducing congestion, commute times and pressure on the planet. FTN Motion has seen huge demand for the street dog since releasing its prototype in early 2021, with the waiting list growing ever since. The first 100 bikes will be hitting the streets in October and the business has attracted more than $1.6 million in two oversubscribed capital raises since its inception. Luke Sinclair says the win was a complete surprise. They'd only found out about it shortly before the awards while the announcement was only revealed to the public during the event in a couple of weeks ago. We are stoked to receive this award which was completely unexpected. We still feel we're at the beginning of our journey and our entire 50 kilometers per hour removable battery and huge storage capacity. The parts of the bike that would traditionally be made of fiberglass are being constructed of highly resilient and unique new hemp material bound with resin which is strong, safe and more sustainable. The bikes are all individually made at FTN Motions workshop on Haining Street in Wellington with as many components sourced locally as possible. Handcrafted with detailed aesthetics, function and performance, the Street Dog which can be ridden on a standard car license and does not require previous motorcycle experience to ride is unlike any other vehicle in its class. FDN Motion's third co-founder, Saskia Thornton, who is currently based in Europe as the brand looks to grow overseas, recently represented the business at the finalising of the NZ Free Trade Agreement negotiations with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern in Brussels. More information on FDN Motion and a few photos of the street dog can be seen at kiwirider.co.nz. And sticking with our electric bike theme, Ducati's Moto e-bike has been revealed. The future of electric racing has arrived with Ducati revealing the future Moto e-bike in detail and the future looks good. Last year, Ducati was announced to be the sole supplier of the FIM Moto e World Cup from the 2023 season with pictures of the bike track testing following in December. After a quiet few months, Ducati has pulled the covers off once again and all 
also given us the bike's name as well as a few other key details. Known as the V21L in Borgo Panigale, next year Ducati will be responsible for filling the Moto E grid with 18 bikes on track during each race weekend. Ducati's prototype seems to fit the bill in more ways than one to meet the expectations of Dorna and the FIM. The V21L prototype tips the scales a full 12 kgs lighter than the stated minimum requirements with total weight of 225 kgs. While maximum power and torque figures are equally impressive, Ducati claims 150 horsepower, 110 kilowatt and 140 newton meters respectively, with the bike able to reach a top speed of 275 kilometers per hour on circuit on a circuit like Italy's Mugello. The world is going through a complex period and environmental sustainability is an element that all individuals and all companies must consider a priority if we want to preserve the delicate balance of the planet, stated Ducati's CEO after personally testing the V21L. As Ducati, we have grasped this need and we went in search of a challenge that would allow us to contribute to the common goal of reducing CO2 emissions and at the same time keeping faith with our DNA linked to racing. We agreed with determination to develop the most performing electric racing bike that current technology makes possible and to use this project as a laboratory in which to build our future. The result we have achieved is surprising. As soon as I sat on the bike, I realised the quality of the work done by the team and when I returned to the garage, I felt a deep sense of pride for what we were once again able to achieve. While the V21L isn't destined for dealerships, the race bike has some interesting design solutions. Thanks to its build team consisting of both Ducati and Ducati Corsa engineers. The battery pack weighs 110 kgs, essentially half the bike's overall weight, and it is rated at 18 kilowatt hours with a 20 kilowatt charging socket integrated into the tail. To get the V21L back to 80% charge takes 45 minutes, according to Ducati. The bike's inverter weighs in at 5 kgs and is derived from a high-performance model used in motor racing for electric vehicles. The electric motor itself weighs 21 kgs and can spin up to a maximum rotation speed of 18,000 rpm. The entire system is based on a voltage of 800 volts with, fully ch- with a fully charged battery pack to maximise the output of the electric power train. The carbon fibre case of the battery acts as a stressed part of the chassis, sort of like how Ducati employs engines with ICE bikes with an aluminium monoconch front frame for the front area weighing 3.7 kgs. The rear is comprised of an aluminium swing arm weighing 4.8 kgs with a geometry like that of the Ducati MotoGP bikes. The rear subframe which integrates the tail and the rider seat is also made of carbon fibre. For more information and photos of this impressive Ducati electric machine, kiwirider.co.nz. And that about wraps up the news. Winter Riding Tips with Protector Insurance. They have your back, even in the worst conditions. Check your tyres. When commuting, we're often up in the dark and home in the dark, and it's possible to have quite full tyres and not realise it. Also check your tyre pressures. Many motorcycles, regardless of whether they're running tubes or tubeless, lose pressure over time. It's possible to lose 5 to 10 PSI in a week. Check your owner's manual or talk to a mechanic and find out what pressures you should be running. 
It's also okay to experiment with tyre pressures. If your bike is meant to run 36 psi in the rear, see what it's like at, say, 38 or 30 psi. Does it feel better or worse? Getting to know your bike like this is a great way to learn what you like and what works for you. Consider a Ride Forever course in the winter months. There's a lot to learn, and you don't know what you don't know. Winter Riding Tips with Protector Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles by motorcyclists. See protectorinsurance.co.nz for a quote today. That's P-R-O-T-E-C-T-A insurance.co.nz. And just before we do sign off for this episode, I wanted to bring you a story from Kiwi Rider's latest magazine in which all points Norden. For many adventure tourers, KTM's 890 Adventure R was a little bit too extreme, so Husqvarna's Norden 901 takes the same platform but refines it into one of the most anticipated machines ever to hit the adventure market. Before we dive in here, i just let you know that you can check out all the photos of the test uh, written by Jock McLaughlin and photos by Jeff Osborne at kiwirider.co.nz. When the prototype images first appeared of Husqvarna's Norden concept, I was a little confused. Husqvarna's parent company, KTM, already had two models using more or less the same chassis and engine, albeit one more off-road orientated than the other. Sure, the Norden looks different to the KTM models, but surely it was more or less just more of the same. In essence, I wondered if the market really needed a third model of the similar base machine. Of course, the Norden 901 has distinctly has a distinctly different look to its Austrian cousins, but more importantly, it has a very different ride feeling. It feels like all the hard edges have been smoothed off from the 890R. It's become grown up. The unruly bits have been cast aside, leaving a more polished and civilised gem for the majority of use and users, and it truly impresses. Looks-wise, the Norden is, to me, okay. Side-on, it looks great, but I'm unsure on the front, which is flat, with one large round headlight and two small fog lights, which incidentally are all LEDs. To my eyes, they don't quite gel with the rest of the bike's modern and edgy looks. However, as always, beauty is in the eye of the beholder and the Norden continues to demonstrate the ultra-modern design style Husqvarna has been using since the KTM takeover. The 889cc parallel twin engine produces 105 horsepower at 8,000 rpm, has peak torque of 100 Nm at 6,500 rpm and is fed by 46mm Delauto throttle bodies, the same as the KTM 890. There are three power modes of street, rain and off-road. The quick shift enabled, if you pay for the package, gearbox has six gears and has a slipper clutch. Lean angle sensitive IMU electronics control, both MTC and ABS. Naturally, both MTC and ABS are switchable, a necessity for off-road riding. With adjustments made via buttons on the left handlebar and choices monitored on the 5-inch TFT display. The power delivery is great smooth and reasonably linear, and pretty fast in a manageable yet business-like way. Don't get me wrong though, it's plenty exciting. It will happily wheelie from a corner in third gear with a touch of clutch and low fuel levels. However, for most riders, it's a far nicer delivery than that of the 890 Adventure R. What does nicer mean? Well, it's that difficult to explain character difference between two power deliveries that are similarly fast, 
but one is smoother, more forgiving and less likely to induce wild wheel spin or wheelie, while the other requires greater mind focus, physical effort and skill to get the best from, while not necessarily being quicker or an advantage in all conditions, and sometimes a disadvantage. And that's it really. It's character. One is more user-friendly, the other is more aggressive and exciting, or intimidating depending on how the individual looks at it. My point is that the 901 engine is bloody good being a great blend of exciting and user-friendliness. There's no debate to be had about whether the Norden suspension is in the same league as the 890R for genuine dirt riding. It's not. However, that shouldn't really come as much of a surprise. The Norden is squarely targeted at the adventure traveller rather than the Chris Birch kind of antics we see on the 890R. The WP Apex suspension units are a little low spec and set for more middle of the road general use. However, on road the action is controlled and makes for very comfortable riding. On gravel, likewise, mainly the feedback is great and I enjoyed the predictable feeling and stable ride although the rear can be unsettled by bad corrugations, which is common on most adventure bikes. For all roads exploring, even at a pretty decent pace, the suspension action is great. On true off-road terrain, it's a little on the soft side, but that terrain is still entirely possible at a reduced pace. In soft sand, the steepish 25.8 degree steering angle along with the fact that it's a sizable machine, some 8kgs heavier than the 890R, and the general suspension settings mean caution is needed to avoid the dreaded front-end tuck. Conversely though, that same steering angle helps make the 901 an agile and effortless handling machine on-road. Facing facts, most Norden riders will spend the vast majority of their time riding on firmer surfaces, so the slowest speeds required in the sand are a tiny trade-off, for great handling everywhere else. The inverted 43mm forks have 220mm of travel and are are adjustable for compression, rebound and spring preload. The single rear shock has rebound damping and spring preload adjustment and there's 215mm of axle travel. Overall the suspension works really well, no doubt enhanced by the top-notch chassis, a modern tubular steel frame using the engine as a stressed member and high-tech alloy swing arm provides superb mounting points for that suspension. All this enables a very competent, agile and confidence-inspiring machine that works so well all day, every day and on all roads. The Norden comes with about 80-20 Road Dirt Pirelli Scorpion Rally STR tyres But with the 21-inch front and 18-inch rear tubeless-spoked wheels, the potential for fitting quality knobblies is unrestricted if your extreme off-road travel side is calling. There are no reservations in the braking department. They're great with ABS off and decent when the ABS is on. The Norden is a solid 220 plus kg with a 19-litre fuel tank and is a powerful bike, so great brakes are important. I've never been a huge fan of overly intrusive rear ABS, which I believe Husky and KTM adventure bikes have. Twin 320mm discs with four piston radially mounted calipers are powerful with great feeling up front. The rear has a 260mm disc with a two piston floating caliper and works well when it's allowed to, and that's when the ABS is turned off. The brake calipers are from a Spanish manufacturer, Jay Juan. 
owned since last year by Brembo, but Husqvarna branded, and worked just fine. True to its touring premise, brimming the 19-litre fuel tank should get you somewhere in the range of around 400 kilometres before running the tank completely dry, according to KTM. A nice touch are the removable rubber inserts in the foot pegs, as with the KTM, to reduce vibrations on long tar seal sections, but still give you good grip for dirt and muddy conditions. The brake lever can be reversed for use with dirt or road boots. Ergonomically, the 901 is a pretty well-sorted machine with everything feeling nice and comfortable and working smoothly. The bar bend is comfortable and the screen and front bodywork offer decent weather protection. The seat, tanks, foot pegs and bar relationship is roomy and snag-free when moving around. The only thing I didn't like is the front of the two-piece seat that gets wide very quickly, which means in the high position it makes the seat oddly wide when standing the seat comes forward and up when raised. However, I found the Norden seat height fine in the standard position for tall riders. It will probably be challengingly high for short riders though. But not KTM 890 Adventure R high though. A lowering kit is available from Husqvarna which drops the seat by 22mm. Overall, the Husqvarna Norden 901 really impressed me. I'm sure many riders currently riding the 890 Adventure R would be far happier on the Norden if their egos would allow, because it's a less hard-edged, more civilised and a more pleasant bike to ride all day in most conditions. The Norden 901 will be a popular bike among the adventure tourer crowd, looking for something a bit different but very capable. It's definitely going to be a crowd pleaser. For the full story and loads of photos, check out Jock's Husqvarna Norden 901 story in the latest Kiwi Rider magazine, go to kiwirider.co.nz. And that about wraps up the show. Thank you very much for listening. Great to have you along. My name is Ray here, and if you like what you've heard, let us know. You can email me podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. If you don't like what you've heard, well, you can hit that dislike button or get hold of me and give me the lowdown there as well. We're on social media under Kiwi Rider Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can uh, get hold of me if you like, MotoNZ on YouTube loads of videos going up there I'm also on uh, all those other platforms MotoNZ and T7 Adventures otherwise keep the rubber side down throttle on we'll catch you in 7 days time <laughs>